All right. So a couple, a couple of food uh, wrap-up items uh, for quarter end. Um, I've been looking up uh, the idea of getting a knock box, which is the thing where you put the the um, the used espresso pucks in. But I was looking it up on Wikipedia, and I feel like the first sentence in this Wikipedia article is maybe a hoax, or also because uh, we've been having a very British week. This sentence sounds very British. So can you read the first sentence of what the alternate names are of knockboxes? A knockbox, informally known as a bash bin, coffee column, slam piece, or bang bang. Yeah, I feel like that's all made up. It'd be like if you're telling, like if you're trying to tell, um, like pull a prank on like a six year old of, hey, this thing's actually called this, to get them to think that that's the truth until like they're fourteen. Because I don't think the thing that you put used espresso pucks in is called a bang bang, unless you live in <laughs> in uh, merry old England as a chimney sweep and you have bangers and mash every morning and you take your lorry to the tube and then you go walk the Queen's corgis. Just me or slam piece. That sounds. That sounds like a, 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 maybe a very different thing. Anyway, I kind of like coffee column. What? But that has to mean something. What does a column mean in other countries? I, I have no idea. Anyway, and this, if you open the actual Wikipedia article and not just the the Slack, uh, again, the feature I love, where it, it will almost it, again, we this was an offline thing. Ninety one percent of the time will expand smartly a web page exactly the way you want it to unless it's a twitter thread with four attached images and then it just takes up three pages of the chat history but yeah all right a bang bang i guess that's what it's called now do, do you have a knockbox? i don't and i don't i keep debating on whether i would like it because i i don't think i would like the smell because uh the used pucks have a stench for a little bit so i just i just it just goes straight in the kitchen sink and then run hot water on it for three seconds and it's no longer a problem hmm yeah i i think i even made mine a chef special back when i first got it i, I think it's a 30 dollar breville one it's it's the smaller of the two breville ones i think it was a little less expensive than that it's, does it have remember the, that does it have the name smart or pro in the name like every other breville product i think it does breville. have the name smart in it <laughs> it's a um, piece of how could it be? No, it's just called the Knockbox TM. TM. Oh, okay. Oh, no, you have the Knockbox oh. Mini. Which, uh, yeah, which I do they... because the the standard size one is absolutely enormous. Yeah, but I mean, I but I I heard rumors from um, the supply chain that Breville has reduced their order of Knockbox Minis by eighty percent. Nice. Yeah. Okay, and then other food stuff. Um, this is. Do you does uh, does your kid have a name for gener for generation yet? Does your kid count as Gen Z? I don't know. I haven't looked into that yet. You should because apparently Gen Z uh, very much doesn't like millennials, which I think we both somehow are. Uh, we, yeah, we we got the bat into the stick where uh, Gen X is Gen both Gen X and millennials are bad people, <laughs> but uh, millennials are where it's at. But uh this is going to be follow out or maybe a transition into follow up uh for this week so last week you had uh a review of the new habanero and lime kettle 
crinkle cut chips correct very spicy yes um yeah i i got some as part of the first time i ever used whole foods curbside at your um at your recommendation and that'll that'll be a kind of a separate mini topic but i thought the chips were pretty good i i think i probably have a higher tolerance for spicy foods than you but yeah i didn't get the get the get that overpowering spice or chili that you seem that you seem to have um gotten from it but yeah i thought they were that they were pretty good i think maybe my expectations just weren't calibrated correctly i i wasn't really expecting them to be all that spicy and so when they were relatively spicy i think it just caught me off guard yeah um i don't uh hold on let me give you a thing you wouldn't you have still have not been to trader joe's since uh things have started i have been to trader joe's once during the pandemic which was recently or a long time ago it was in october i believe okay well, actually, let me make a... I just typed Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's into Google. I'm very tired today. Trader <laughs> Joe's. Um, yeah, it's going to be a short one or a long, incoherent one. Not really sure yet. Um, so let me send you a link. So actually, this is going to be a chef special that is um, three years overdue. Um, the word ghost pepper is kind of... Um, it's the new... What's what's a what's an what's a word in tech or consumer electronics? It's like the word bespoke. Like it's it's used on literally everything and it's it's basically meaningless at this point. Is this um, this is this is the potato chips that have doubled down is what you're saying. They want to be number 1 plus. Got it. Um yeah. or actually no, th- this no, these chips are ghost pepper just means plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get to to yeah. whatever the fuck CVS is doing. Um so yeah, so these chips are great. These are a lattice cut chip, so similar to your standard crinkle cut, but they're kind of a Cape Cod style lattice cut. Um, they're ghost pepper flavored, and they are spicy enough, but not overwhelmingly spicy. And they used to be seasonal, but Trader the Trader Joe's Corporation uh, has made them a, a year round item. They are very, very, very good. Um, so that's a an overdue chef special. But if you thought that the um uh kettle habanero chips were too spicy, um I would rec I would well no, I I would recommend that you buy these as a on a as a lark because they will destroy your mouth, but having one um is probably worth um understanding your limits of what spicy foods are they're very unpleasant to eat <laughs> so the brand i don't know if it's pronouncing it right it's called Paki, but not like the the japanese chocolate wafer candy uh p-a-q-u-i and yeah it's so insanely spicy and the thing that gets you is well have you ever ate something that's too spicy or just had um, something that you that was spicier than you expected and they- wanted your mouth not to taste like that anymore well, I, I was going to give you a, a positive example, actually. Okay, go ahead and do that, and we'll circle back. So at the Hassel Prime Rib, they give you the hmm. three different horseradishes, which are sort of like, you know, their equivalent of, you know, like when you get the salsas, it's like mild, medium, and spicy. Sure. The, the, the spicy horseradish is kind of like wasabi, 
where if you eat anything more than just like a quarter teaspoon of it at a time, you get that super hot burning sensation in your nasal cavity. Yeah. And, yes. and I and I I love it. It's like one of the best <laughs> parts about House of Prime Rib. And I we actually um we we did the whole takeout thing from House of Prime Rib over the holidays. Oh, was it good? I keep it's own it's in my uh, perpetual defer on OmniFocus. So okay, so we'll, let's do a quick tangent here. It mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Here, but with a, but with a big caveat, which is so there is a massive line outside every day for it. Oh, you can't pre-order or you can't, there's no You order. can, but you have to get either their half rib meal or full rib meal. And the we were doing it for our little social bubble. So there were five of us. And so the half rib meal, I think, was meant to feed you know, six to eight people. So we had some leftovers, but we, we did that. So then we were able to order ahead and you show up at a de- designated time. You kind of Disney fast pass style and skip the line, walk right in, grab your food and go. But I mean, man, the line outside is crazy. And I actually, I asked the guy, like when I picked it up, I'm like, so is it just kind of like that every day? And he's like, yeah. So that, and that, that would, I think, dampen the experience of it <sighs> if you had to wait in this big line. Cause then you're just standing outside on Venice and that's not great. Well, it is great because you get to look at the future of transit. <laughs> Fair. In, in the year 2036, that street will be done, but it'll have uh, centralized bus lanes, and I'll be very happy. Yeah, they have, they have not made as much progress on that as you... They have. They no, I, I mean... Sort of. In a year, they've, they've, they've done a lot. It's, I mean, the, the regular, um, like, not consumer traffic, what's the... But not pedestrian traffic. What do you call regular people? Commuter traffic, whatever. Like, that's still a gigantic mess, but the two, inc- like, closest to the center divider, where the the rapid bus lanes will be, that's that's actually made a lot of progress. I think mostly from uh, Fell Street up to, wow, this is not relevant to anybody who doesn't live in the Bay Area. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut all that out. It's fine. What, it's, it's like whenever you have to listen to podcasts, people talk about L.A. and New York in very specific details, and you're like... Nobody cares. Um, oh, yeah. So this is uh, whoever Mantu Joe is on Blogspot. Uh, another Trader Joe's recommendation. So these are seasonal. So you, you're, you bringing up the House of Prime Rib thing. Trader Joe's, they have, they're very well known, or I know them for, I, I try literally every potato chip variant they make, except they have a new... A sweet potato, a tortilla chip, and a regular sweet potato potato chip, and I will just—it's not even worth the the money to just say I've tried every single one. I'll, I'll sit those out. But these uh, horseradish ones are so good, but they're only available usually, I think, September to November. Mm. And I need to get better about hoarding them or being more strategic about it. But they're very good. So you should be on the lookout for that. Um, and I'm kind of resentful that the person on this article is talking about cauliflower in the same sentence as this. So, yeah. I thought you were going to say you were resentful of the fact that this person has gotten into Trader Joe's potato chip reviews, which kind of seems like you're calling. I just already spent too much money on domain names, and I'm still mad that somebody has chickensandwich.club, and I kind of want to email them to ask for that domain. 
<laughs> we'll get back to that. Uh, um, so, can I can I go a, a back a couple layers of sure, the onion here? Sure, of the of the seven layer dip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the you sent me just the kettle brand homepage. Oh, we're we're gonna get there. Okay, so that right. that's so let okay let's let's ha, so we got off the rails. I was trying to lead into that when talking about what generation your daughter belonged to, and then somehow we talked about House of Prime Rib. I don't understand how we got here, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, so we go back to kettle. No, not Keebler chips. What are Keebler chips? Kettle chips. Yeah, their website is really, really millennial. Like it's almost like a way suitcase millennial. So mm, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Like, um, if you look at this, and are you on just the main webpage? Uh yeah. Just like the root, like just yeah. No, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So if you just go down it, like when I pulled this up because I was trying to look at, well, so first, the reason I got here was because I was looking up kind of most websites will have a where can I buy this flavor or where is this product available thing. So I wanted to see what flavors, um, like how many flavors I could hit at a single store to kind of do a roundup of, of the new kettle flavors. But then when you go here, I was like, yeah, so the very first thing you see is extra in a good way. And are you familiar with what extra means in millennial parlance? Like sort of maybe, but not in a way that I could describe it. It kind of like if somebody's being extra, like they're being maybe a little bit dramatic or over the top. Like, yeah, so you would would say somebody's being a little extra right now, or if you kind of don't want to deal with their mess. Got it. Yeah. So that's the way they lead this off. And you keep scrolling. And then uh, for the new flavors, uh, or actually, no, sorry, classic flavors. Uh, the tagline is flavor that's bold AF. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. aware of what AF means? Uh, I I am. Okay, yep. so we're gonna leave. We don't need a, a an explicit tag here, but <laughs> um, and then that's why I had to go grab the the bag out of the um of the pantry. So actually, do some foley effects here. Uh, for the tater tracker, because that's where I think this was ending up going. Because I don't know what a tater tracker is. And also, Darth is not back on Twitter yet, and I'm really concerned. I know you said not to be concerned, but it's mid-March. I'm concerned. No, it's it's still okay. I think. It's I I looked it up in past years. It's always mid-February. Well, he deserved an extra long break this time. So I don't know where the Tater Tracker code is. Like I'm looking at it, and on the bag it does say "Meet Your Farmer Tater Tracker," but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll find it. But yeah, what did you notice on the website that was of renown? So was... there, it, there is a pairings link. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And I was like, and when I clicked on it, I was super disappointed. But I'm like, this is kind of a Ryan thing. Well, because <laughs> there's, there's, oh, there's only beers on here. So I'm like, yeah, this, this, this is a Ryan thing. Well, so I was thinking that this would be a food pairing thing. So then when the, <laughs> so, the, the so, little thing... So, so who's... Who is pairing potato chips as a side with like actual meals? Well, I, yeah, I, it's not something I've ever personally done, which is why the pairings link kind of caught my attention. Okay. But then it, when it brings up the, the thing that's like, hey, you got to verify your age, I went, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, this, this doesn't have a, ton of interest to me i don't 
I don't think. Mostly, I guess, because there just aren't really a lot of situations where I would be eating chips and drinking a beer at the same time. Because for me, like having a drink is usually like an end of the day kind of thing. And I'm not usually eating potato chips late at night. Mm. So, um, I mean, I, you know, every once in a while, like, I guess I'll have a beer like at lunch, but I mean, that's mostly when I'm on vacation and I mean, what are those anymore? Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and also there, um, the pairings that were there and yes, as always, I was born January 1st, 1900. On every form. Sorry, if you ever want to hack my accounts, that's what my date of birth always is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always like, I don't know. I, what does IPA stand for? Imperial Pale Ale. What is that as a beer? Is that one of the really bready, heavy ones? Yeah, and they, they tend to be on the hoppier side. Yeah, so therefore, n- none of these really speak to me but apparently you were supposed to have paired those chips with a farmhouse ale and i don't know what does that mean they just brewed it in a with cows nearby i don't know what that means farmhouse ale usually at least in the context that i know about it which is at woodfor brewing up in sebastopol they do a farmhouse ale that's sort of like it's not a sour beer but it's sour beer-esque Got it. Hmm. Okay, so I did find the Tater Trekker uh, code on the front of this uh, sharing-sized uh, bag of kettle uh, sea salt and vinegar chips, and apparently the potatoes from these came from Daryl Funk Farms. And mm. I don't know where that's from, but maybe one day go visit. Who knows? From It's from Murtaugh, Idaho. Anyway, this this website's very weird. And also, again, I didn't know that potato chips were a millennial food. I don't know if Gen Z is making mean TikToks about the fact that people age 22 to 33 uh, eat potato chips and also have side parts and eat avocado toast. But, I mean, what else are they going to do? Seems like this website would look really good on a big OLED screen. Uh yeah, maybe maybe on a twenty twenty one thirteen inch iPad Pro. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Um so how do I get back to the show notes? Okay. So yeah, you also had a detour or a food experiment this week. You uh got a, a very large order of Shake Shack. Well, to to be clear, that was dinner for myself and for the lady friend i wasn't saying that you you got two milkshakes and a bunch of food just to eat sadly in your car (laughs) just wanted to make that important clarification well and also they didn't nobody knew what the items in the order were well anyway i don't i don't think Um, our slack is public god help us (laughs) um well so you say i went to went to shake shack which was the first time i had been there in well over a year also, a quick quick pause uh, where you can no longer take... Well, I think you can still take Smart to the Mart, but you can also take Smart to the ferry, uh, Larkspur Ferry parking lot, which is a mega COVID vaccine site, which is, which is a positive development, but I feel like they should make a new sign. But I so, don't know what you could do to rhyme with... Yeah, Smart to the... 
yeah smart to the jab i don't know <laughs> nice um yeah there's, so there's actually there's, that's that's there's two um digressions here before we get to the main thing <laughs> so the first <laughs> is <laughs> when i was driving to to pick up the food i I drove right by that parking lot that you mentioned, and I, I knew about the mass vaccination site that was there. It's, it's been there for a couple of weeks now, but it is it is quite something to see that in person. Like it really does. It's I, I, I you know the the only analogy I can sort of think of is you know like in the very beginning of the pandemic, parts of it just felt very surreal and very movie-like but like you know not in a good way well like yeah it's like you'd... seeing this felt like that yeah i remember that when i forget what what i had to do but like just 101 on a weekday at like four o'clock in my part of marin is normally is just bumper to bumper for four hours and it was just a ghost town for that like first two weeks of uh shelter in place in march so no absolutely yeah but... It was like, you know, the the first time that you were around a crowd of people all wearing masks, like that was a very jarring thing. Um, first time that you watched any kind of sporting event in an empty stadium, like that was a super weird thing. And so, yeah, seeing that vaccination site, weird, but also comforting, kind of comforting and hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's one digression. Second digression is... I, in order to to order this dinner last week, I downloaded the Shake Shack app. Mm-hmm. Tremendous ordering experience. So Supports you know, Apple the, Pay for payment? It does. All right, there we go. Uh, well, actually, no, it didn't. No, mm. I, I did have to enter my credit card information. Mm. But very nicely designed app. They offered both in-store or curbside pickup, which I like. And the best thing is you could specify a pickup time. So I put this order in at like three o'clock in the afternoon, but specified, hey, I want to come pick this up at six o'clock. I love that. I love how you don't have to, you know, time putting in your order so that you hope you get a time around when you're looking to pick it up. So the the whole the whole pickup experience was was great. And then they they do the you know, not not quite like Target or Whole Foods where they actually like, you know, track you on the way to the restaurant. But um, when you get there, you can, you know, tap the button and say, hey, I'm here. And I did that. And they were out with the food in like three minutes. It was great. Um, um, a couple of quick things related before you get into the food stuff with. So with the Whole Foods thing I did, um, I it gave it was my first time and it gave a notification afterwards. of, And I want to know if you have this turned on. Where it said, do you want to give the, and this has never popped up in, in like however long I've been using the Amazon app on iOS that said, would you like to give the Amazon app like persistent location access all the time in order to speed up the curbside delivery? Did you turn that on? I I mean, I guess I probably did because mm. when I go pick up one of our orders, you know, I click the little button that says, hey, I'm on my way. And then on my drive to the store, I can see on my iPhone that, you know, in the top left, it'll show you when an app is actively using your location. Mm-hmm. It's doing that. Yeah, don't love that. I mean, it feels like it. if it was anybody but Amazon, like if, if Whole Foods was not owned by Amazon, I would feel less bad about it. But I feel like there's probably other stuff going on. 
because otherwise and i don't it, i don't think my amazon app has been location aware for anything else whatsoever it doesn't really bother me yeah uh but yeah so how was uh, so the what was the impetus for the shake shack so there were well i guess three things one i hadn't been there in a long time mm-hmm. two you've been on this whole chicken sandwich odyssey and had mentioned that the shake shack one was pretty good and then the third thing is you had forwarded me this um, instagram ad a week or two ago with these two like seasonal i guess shakes that Mm -hmm. they have Mm -hmm. Um, one is their black sugar vanilla shake and the other is their brownie batter hot cocoa shake that one sound, does not sound appetizing. So, you know, between the chicken sandwich, which I was already interested in <laughs> trying, and then these shakes, I thought, eh, you know, this is this is worth a trip. And, you know, the lady friend and I had been doing takeout, you know, once or twice a week during most of the pandemic. And, you know, sort of like when we used to go to restaurants, too, like we kind of had a habit of going to the same places over and over again. So I just was kind of in the mood to mix things up a little bit on Friday and uh, we went to the Shake Shack. Went in Rome. <laughs> so the the chicken sandwich, uh, which which of course they call the chicken shack. And that's, uh, what's the apostrophization? Yeah, that's C H I C K apostrophe N. Mm-hmm. Um, really good, really good. Um, I'm a big pickle fan, so anything that prominently mm-hmm. features pickles, that's a that's a plus in my book. You you disagree? No, it's just I I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to be able to have. So I make like a clip of an overcast of being quote unquote a big pickle fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, pickle pickles have to be judicious. I I think they could they can make or break a meal, but too much is is definitely too much. No, there was the right amount on this sandwich. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah, you know it it was not anything like remarkable overall, but but very solid, which I think is similar to how you described it. Yeah. So then the shakes, which I think is maybe the more kind of interesting part of this. So the black sugar vanilla shake was was pretty good. Um, the brownie batter hot cocoa shake, in its defense, I'm not a big like chocolate ice cream fan. So it already was on kind of thin ice with me. But yeah, that that one I didn't care for um as much. Um both were total total sugar bombs and totally one of those things that you only order once and you probably don't finish the whole thing. <laughs> like, you no, know, I <laughs> You know the lady friend and I kind of split them and well, you know, we you had, each you had a whole one by proxy, right? I you, probably you each, you each had half of uh, of half of two, so yeah. Well, the the lady friend just did not care for either of them, so she didn't really have interesting much, much of either. Meaning that they're too sweet, or it was just too too rich. Yeah, okay. Too too sweet and well, too sweet and too rich. I think. Um, you know, me, I I ended up having a decent amount of the black sugar vanilla shake um and then kind of only a little bit of the brownie batter one but you know neat novelty thing but 
not something I'd go back to. Unlike the the chicken sandwich, which I would I'd happily have that again. Yeah, so I'm trying to look at their website, and I don't see it on here. Um, in the oh oh wait, it's because this is from 2017. Yeah, you've got to um, for their nutrition facts. Yeah, you've got to go into the app and then select a local store before you can actually I find these. Um, I guess limited edition um, food items. Well, I, I just have to know. Um, I I, I tried is. doing that same thing. Um, oh, not just bring it up to that same damn PDF. But I mean, if you look at it, yeah. How just oh, let me just pick one on average. Yeah, Jesus, between sixty and one hundred and ten grams of sugar. Um, yeah, across that checks out. Yeah, and also, well, so that's actually this gonna bring up a couple of things. What? Uh, this goes back to the um the Coca Cola flight. Are you do you like things that allege to be caramel flavored? I yes, I'm a big caramel fan. Mm. And yeah, apparently they have a bourbon salted caramel shake, which has uh, just a mere 87 grams of sugar. I I saw that, and that certainly caught my attention. And it but it did not appear to be available when when we put in our order last week. So I don't know if that was. Also, maybe one of these limited edition or seasonal flavors. Yeah, this is also, I think they're trying to be too clever with the name. TKO Clock Chocolate Cookies and Cream Shake. No, no. Um, yeah, well, anyway, okay, so, so that's good. Um, uh, did, did the dog get anything? Because they, the, that's the one neat thing about Shake Shack is that they do have um, uh, things especially for dogs. I saw that. I I thought about maybe ordering him some, but he already he has so many treats here at home that that he didn't need some from Shake Shack. Um, he may have gotten a little piece of the chicken, but he he didn't get much. Oh, he's on a little bit of a diet. <laughs> Aww, did he, yeah. he get doggy body shamed when he when he went to the to the vet. The the vet made a comment. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, he went in for a ear thing about a month ago and you know they they weigh him every time that he goes in and you know they they don't you know they now with covid they don't actually you know let you in the office they just they meet you outside and then you know the dog goes into the office and then you just sit in your car and then you know they'll give you a call with kind of a rundown of everything and you know when when your dog's ready to be picked up and so you know i'm talking to the vet and she first talks about the ear, but then goes, yeah, you know, we, we weighed him. And, you know, she kind of like said his weight over, over his past, you know, three or four visits over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And there was a, you know, a trend in the wrong direction, let's say. Mm. He was is experiencing rapid, uh, rapid user growth. <laughs> or whatever, his, his hockey stick. Um, yeah. Oh, poor, poor dude. It's okay. It's, it's the springtime. He's going to, he's going to get more walks and he's going to, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. I think they they kind of caught yeah. him at a at a tough time of year where it's, our, it's getting dark early, and we all had our winter. Winter was a little extra on all <laughs> yeah. of us, or you know, not extra when it comes to things like you know exercising and things like that. Uh, correct. <laughs> I, I, I've I, I've been an expert at managing to stitch together the narratives of summer heat wave, wildfires, rain, and then cold to find a way to ex- as an excuse to not exercise for five months. Yeah, you and me both. 
Oh, can I get, sorry. Oh, that was loud. Uh, can I give you some good news? Sure. Uh, guess what happens on Sunday? Ooh, daylight savings time. Guess what time the sun will set on Sunday, March 14th? <sighs> I think it ends up being like, like 6.55? 7.14. Nice. So nice. jazz. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, because... Hiking is so nice. And again, if anybody, well, nobody listens to us. Anybody who ever travels, travels to Northern California, Phoenix Lake, uh, Phoenix Lake in Marin County is absolutely beautiful and a very relaxing hike. And people should go do it. And that was one of the most like sanity saving things um, of last summer. And I'm so excited that's on the table again. Because I, I back when I was a curmudgeonly old person, sorry, that, that hasn't changed. But back when there were gyms to go to, I was always very much on the side of, I love it when it gets dark at like 545. Now that there's nowhere to go and there's only the outside, really appreciate that daylight. I've always been a big daylight savings time fan. I I always find when the time goes back to standard time in the fall, that's sort of one of the more depressing times of year. And then now this time of year, when we switch back to daylight savings time, it's sort of like that first sign that spring's about to be here, which is then followed by summer, which is by far and away my favorite time of year. So it's like things are things are starting to look up. And, you know, in 2021, it's also happening to correlate with, you know, things in general, hopefully continuing to uh, look up. Correct. Um. Which ones? I never remember. Which one's which? When, when is daylight savings time on, and when is it off? It is currently off. And what so is allegedly are... is being saved? Like I understand the, the farmer thing and like and everything, but like what is, what is allegedly being saved? I actually could not tell you what the original purpose was. I feel like there's a couple of different tellings of of what it was for. Would you support legislation that outlaws it or that repeals it? No, I would, I would want it to be permanent. Or the opposite, yes. Whichever one that yes. makes the bad system exist. Well, I, so, well, so I, I, I flippantly say I would, but I also recognize the argument against that, which, which is, is that it's not going to get light until close to like 8 o'clock in the morning That's during funny times of the web but with kids going to school and stuff that's that's not great but if if you're a little kid walking to school or something like that it's you don't want it to be dark when it's almost eight o'clock so i i'm I'm sympathetic walking home from soccer practice again it's it's one or the other just get just get (laughs) go go on shark tank find a way to adapt like the halo collar that they make for dogs and just make it all classy for kids This is a brilliant, again, just like, cause you know how kids have the light up shoes, like just find a way to make it all like super techie and you'll sell it at like a beta store or something. I'm, and I'm not saying like a leash, like, like again, except I, I just mean the idea of the halo light collar. Like they all have like, again, find a way to make uh lights on their backpack or something. Again, keep, keep the kids safe. There's a, there's an opportunity here. So some real time follow up according to day or sorry time and date dot com a source you know you can trust I, is this the one that has the website that looks like it's from 1997 no, no actually, this is the this more one, modern the, one okay yeah, this looks pretty nice 
um, we'll put the whole uh, article in the notes here, but the the top part here says daylight savings time is used to save energy and make better use of daylight. It was first used in 1908 in Thunder Bay, Canada. Mm-hmm. So we have we have the Canadians to thank for this. Well, mm, kind of. Well, we also have Canadians <laughs> to thank for a lot of other stuff. Um. Yeah, still no. Because like, I, I guess what's the solution? I yeah. I don't I don't think there is a perfect solution. Mm. I think this the system we have now is is fine. That's I'm not, not great. I'm not clamoring for it to change. Mm. All right. Um. Okay. All right. So did we wrap up the Shake Shack? Yeah. So, so again, hamburgers are good, <laughs> or, or or chicken sandwiches <laughs> are good. If somebody has a suggestion for a domain name uh, for a chicken sandwich website, please email me. I guess the the last comment there is my my you know my tolerance for fast food is very low now. So you know, mm. had that dinner, no regrets, happy we did it. But it's going to be a little while until I have fast food again. <laughs> what is your opposition? I just just don't feel great this after is, eating. You it. just feel too heavy, or what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you feel and, and it's and and you know, I'm the first one to raise my hand and and admit that I am by no means the healthiest eater. But um, I don't know. There's just something different about fast food that it was it was a bit much. Yeah, I mean, if if fast food ends up making you feel logy, you might just have to kind of plan around it. But again, I'm I'm not a paragon of health to be talking to anybody about this. But I don't know. Like maybe maybe just uh, skip lunch and dinner for it, and then. But you you also do well. Oh, sorry, that was my other question about this. Did you get fries? And if so, what kind? I did get the fries, just the the regular ones. Yeah, the regular ones are kind of soggy or kind of meh. Well, yeah, well, cr- I mean, crinkle cut fries are yeah, they're not my favorite. Yeah, they're again. This is the opposite of of addressing your complaint, which is that they have um, some bacon cheese fries, which are better, but they are very rich to the point where you will have maybe four of them. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I it, as I was putting in the order, I did see those and was was intrigued because I've I've never had them. But you know, as I kind of started looking at them, I'm like, "Hey, dummy, you're already getting these two shakes. Like, what are you doing? Stick with the regular fries." Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was the the crux of maybe why I didn't feel great afterwards mostly had to do with those shakes. I think if I wouldn't have had those, it it would have been okay. Oh, yeah, next time just just get uh, just get the chicken sandwich or a, a smoke shack single patty, and then the bacon cheddar fries, and then just make yourself an avocado afterward. Fancy. Uh huh. All right. Uh, I think that takes care of what was tangentially follow-up. What do we have in main business 43 minutes in? Uh, well, so I was actually going to start with um, something that we had in the notes last week. Oh, and yeah. May or may not have briefly mentioned, which is that uh, Overcast um, completely overhauled its Apple Watch app. Um, and as of last week, I hadn't really had a chance to use it so if we did mention it i think it was really just in passing um but i did actually go for a run this past weekend for the first time in some number of months let's say Um, and um had the chance to actually uh, use it for the first time 
and it, it it's really good um i mean the i guess you know headlining thing about it is that it really is a truly standalone first class version of overcast um you know the app previously like most other apple watch apps really was just a remote or window into the iphone app so you know everything about it was really dependent on your phone even once it started gaining features like the ability to listen to or download podcasts to your watch and listen to them just natively on your watch without having your phone nearby all of that was still facilitated through the phone like you would first download an episode to your phone using the the app on your iPhone and then you would send it to your watch and that was a slow and and kind of unreliable process and then the other thing about that too is that syncing was always pretty hit or miss with the watch like it would sometimes pick up where you left off on your phone but other times it wouldn't so you know i mean marco was was pretty open about the fact that his apple watch app was not something he was super proud of and he's talked a lot about that on atp um but as part of this most recent overcast update i guess marco's done a bunch of back or work on the back end and one of the things that's enabled is to create a watch app that that is truly you know native to the watch and truly stands alone. So you now can download episodes directly to the watch without needing your phone at all. You can stream episodes using your watch again without using your phone at all. And most importantly, the watch app syncs to the overcast um, servers just like the phone ipad and uh, mac os apps do so now your progress is always perfectly in sync um i mean yeah it, it really is just sort of like using overcast on your phone it's it's really really nice That's pretty cool. Do you have, is it streaming only or do you have the opportunity to maybe um, like right as you're leaving out the door, since the watch ostensibly, I think is connected to what your home Wi-Fi connection. Can you like quickly to say like, no, I want to make sure this whole episode is downloaded before you go watch only. Yeah, that, that that's exactly right. So you can access podcasts like so it it's the, the the watch app is split into kind of two main sections one is everything that's on your phone which you know then the watch sort of acts as a remote for the phone app and then the other section is you know hey here's everything that is just just on your watch and so when you go to select an episode of a podcast on your watch if you just tap on the episode, it will begin streaming that episode. Or when you're when you're looking at the list of episodes of a podcast, next to each one, there's a little download button. And if you click that, then the episode just downloads directly to your watch. Neat. Cool. Oh, yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah. it's, it seems really neat that, um, yeah, full-fledged Apple Watch apps are getting slowly closer. Uh, you know, I was, and when I was on that run this last weekend, it, it really was like sort of like that use case that, you know, I, I get is, is pretty niche, but is exactly how I envisioned using the Apple Watch when it was first announced back in what? 2015 like Mm -hmm. i thought great i could go for a run without my phone and you know listen to a podcast and you know you've you've been theoretically able to do that in one form or another since the watch has come out but it's you know it's always been a a pretty hacky solution either using kind of these weird third party podcast apps which i think i've i talked about years ago on the show or by using the overcast app which has always been a little little shaky um but you know i feel like you know 6 years later or close to it now like we've sort of finally arrived at the point where you can you know go for a run and just bring your watch and it's a pretty good and reliable experience yeah did you happen to um look at battery drain or no i didn't actually when i was almost done with the run i um thought about that but i i didn't i didn't make note of what it was before i i left home Gotcha. And my Apple Watch battery situation is like, it's been weird because I've been using it for, for sleep tracking. And mm. so that sort of that sort of throws off kind of the state of your Apple Watch battery because you're, you're not necessarily starting the day with a full charge each day, which is, you know, obviously how it worked prior to me using it for that. So I never, I never really know where my Apple Watch battery is. Mm. Okay. Interesting. But, you know, since I don't ever go anywhere anymore it's not been a problem oh I'll put a pin in that and then because i do i am interested to hear more kind of what sleep tracking on the watch looks like and what the utility is so it's not very it's not very good well but, but with the alleged um uh benefit is so yeah we'll get there's to that one. there's there's not really any <laughs> well again pretend i'm not even really sure why i do it because well, again a new year new you and it's time to glow up <laughs> uh it's also a millennial thing wonder if that's on the kettle chip website okay new business we i think we have eh, let's do two quickies and then the other we'll round this out um the this is this is not really a surprise i don't know i must have been a really slow news week um this was like the top story on tech meme for like most of the business day oh because it was a saturday that's why uh the imac pro is dead uh long live the imac pro yeah, you know, you know how there's that West Wing episode where they talk about, you know, the the taking out the trash, where it's you've got the like Friday afternoon news dump. Oh, well, I mean that's that's definitely a thing, but I think this this is not maybe not quite, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on, they 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 added the while supplies last yeah. like late on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, but but I I feel like any outrage here, if there is much, is just kind of misplaced. I mean. It's you know, the whole uh, the, you could say the whole interest around the iMac Pro has been a little misplaced, but well, no, I wanted one. I mean, yeah, well, I would, I would very much say that was misplaced. I... All right, Mister Double Milkshake. All right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is what it is. Like, I mean, well, actually, we'll pivot. This, so we'll pivot this discussion for a second in a in a second. The news in the end is that Apple on late Friday evening. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading from the article now. Uh, they uh, on the iMac Pro page. Apparently, there was some like uh, while supplies last badge added to the iMac Pro page, which is signaling that it was discontinued. Apple gave a statement on Saturday officially saying, yep, it's dead. Most people are opting for the 27-inch regular old iMac and uh yeah. And, and then it, it was and then it was gone like what like a day later? Oh, is like, it is it totally Monday. gone? Oh yeah, I think it was like later that Saturday or maybe Sunday. It, it was sold out on Apple's website and everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel angry or mad about this, or I don't really get it. I mean, again, it was, it was a stopgap product that they that ended up not being where things went when they Apple started uh, did get with, for lack of better phrasing, giving a shit about the Mac again, and when they made the Mac Pro, and when the Apple Silicon transition started happening, and now nobody except for like weirdos like me who run uh, VMs. Uh, like cares about Intel support anymore. Like, I mean, yeah, people would any any M1X or M2 iMac that they would release is probably going to be insanely faster than even the highest end configurations of the Intel Xeon powered iMac Pro, um, except for very very specific parallelized processor intensive sustained. Um, cpu jobs so yeah I mean, meh, whatever i mean I, i'm happy i mean that mac pro it, it, it was fine and it served its purpose and that era or it's it's done now and also eh, space grace canceled i mean uh, uh i it, it it's it's not lost you you didn't like the space gray no because everything was space gray like even the cheapest iPad, and this is not a cost thing, but even the cheapest iPad comes in space gray. Like space gray did not like if they had kept that as a signifier of like, hey, only the MacBook Pro and the iMac Pro and the iPhone Pro come in space gray. Like this is this this is the color of getting stuff done or some some shit like that. That would have made more sense. But when all your products come in basically dark gray, I mean, it's just it's whatever. Like, I mean, I even, that's when, when I got my coffee table iPad to just listen to Spotify on, I got the, the light silver. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty over space gray. Same reason why I have the, the blue iPhone. I don't know. I, th- I think the standard aluminum color that, I don't know, I'm trying to even think of like what products still come just in the iPad standard <laughs> the ipad and i guess that the the non-pro imac does um it just looks it looks kind of cheap now i don't know i think eh, disagree i i feel like space gray looks really cheap like it, it has no premium if it was not that commonplace i, I don't know I, yeah it's super yeah it's super plain and, and, and really meh well it, it's i guess it but it partially depends on which of the 36 different shades of space gray that apple's done over the years you're talking about the imac pro was a darker shade which i i think does look really nice so can I... whereas like the iphone 12 pro space gray or whatever they call it now 
it's kind of a muddy color that I that doesn't look as nice. Yeah. Can I give you a hot take or kind of a a, a free product advice for Apple? When they in, when they introduce cuz cuz I love my space black Apple Watch. And I think black is an underrated color cuz like you will remember when we were in college, like there was there was a thing about the black plastic MacBook. Where, oh yeah. Like even though I mean a, didn't didn't you have to pay like an extra 100 bucks for that? Hell yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was an idiot that I was set, had a 17 inch MacBook Pro because I'm really, <laughs> oh, really, I, really, really dumb. I remember sitting next to you in some some classes with that thing, and I I'm pretty sure it was like halfway in my seat. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, go should we go to Nanganu State School? Um, <laughs> um, but we got to go to some school where the auditoriums have those uh, like Lazy Boy style movie theater seats <laughs> for, for lectures. Um, but yeah, here, here's here's my free product advice to uh, the ghost of Johnny Ive is just make um, make everything just matte black, like make a really nice unibody anodized aluminum. Just make make your make your pro products black, not like just black plastic or black glass, like make it a really high quality black matte aluminum would look gorgeous and would look new and people would lose their mind just do that because i'm gonna take i'm gonna take that and blow it out even further and say (laughs) make make the nice matte black like you're talking about and make a bunch of other colors like Mm. people love bright unique colors like i i don't understand apple's aversion to so counterpoint so I, i i take your point but i think you are thinking of old apple so do you have a google window open or just do uh, Command Shift N, and then go uh, go to Chrome, and then type in Nanochromatic iPod, and then go to Images, and then like that was back when Apple, because that this was the kind of the funky tall portrait iPod Nano. Oh, they, I, I liked that one. Yeah, yeah. this one was beautiful. But mm-hmm. now, if you go to images.google.com and you type in iPad Air fourth generation, Apple's new colors. Are not good. What, no, they're, they're, yeah, don't don't do these. Do well, but do the, but big I, bright colors. But I think this is what they think that is because I like I, I for like there are five colors available. The iPad Air. I got the just the plain ass uh, silver. Space gray looks like meh. The pink is not a good pink. The green, as you as a fan of green, I think would not like this green at oh, all. It's, it's it's terrible. No, I I I when I I remember following along with that event and. I heard there. W- I don't think I was watching the video, but I, I I had seen on Twitter or something that there was a green iPad. And you're like, like, oh, <gasps> and then you're like, no. But then I saw it and instant no. Well, yeah, yeah and, and I mean, in the blue is fine, but yeah, but the pink and the green are bad, and the blue is yeah, different, so but still not good either. Better, it's better than the green and the pink, but the bar. But also, but but, but this up. goes to because currently, like as my two phones right now, I have an 11 Pro in the green in midnight green and i have a 12 pro in pacific blue both of which are not good colors like i like that they're making different colors but did you like your green iphone like is that the preferred shade of green not not really no it's not so i mean that's where when you say apple should make stuff in colors i just don't think they have it in them to make the colors people would want like i mean Again, I have. Well, no, that, I think I think I even said like they got they should make big bright colors. I they definitely oh, should not most definitely emulate their, the iPad. Colors. But their recent products uh, suggest that they're not willing to do that. No, but that, that that's my point is that 
even when they've sort of tried to expand their color options, they're not doing it right. They're being they're being too serious about it. Yeah, so there if you can also google this or maybe put in the show notes. Um I forgot the name of that company in Redmond, Washington. Microsoft makes the Surface mm. <laughs> Uh, again, I'm very tired, uh, makes the uh, Surface Pro 7. Wow, they made seven of them. Uh, and the Surface Laptop, both in a very nice matte black, almost, it's it's either like super space gray or matte black. I can't really tell from the pictures. It depends on the lighting. Oh, but no, there's actually, no, there's a really good picture of that. Like, I think that looks gorgeous. Just make that. And then everybody would be like, hey, that's a super, super new MacBook Pro. I want that. So just do that. They also make a red one, which which I Ooh. I Ooh. applaud because it, it is a nice bright shade of red, which which is what Apple should do. But, but I red electronics, not my thing. But I I appreciate what they're trying to do here. Ooh, I'm into that. Um, cool. And then, or wait, maybe it's uh, maybe it it's just the keyboard. The, it's just the keyboard. I think that's red. Sorry. Oh, false alarm. <laughs> um yeah so anyway so apple should do that and then what was the there was one other thing related to this but i i lost it yeah anyway what were we talking about before this oh yeah so imac pros has continued so oh that was the other thing um there are rumors or like so today is recording on wednesday march 10th there's so, like allegedly gonna be like a march event but we haven't heard anything about it do you think there's gonna be one yeah, March twenty third. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Wait, were there, did I miss a day's worth of news? Is there gonna be an iPad event that got announced? It hasn't been announced, but I, yeah, I think that's gonna what, happen. What day of the week is March twenty third? A Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think so, with these virtual events that they've been you know doing the past year, I think I think they've only been giving a a one week notice on those. So I'd, I'd expect to hear about that probably. Yeah, maybe late this week or, or early next week. So we ha- we haven't really talked about, and I think we're probably not going to get to it. Is um, or if it even made the uh, the agenda or the docket, but um, iPhone 13 and iPad 2021 rumors. I just have one question or or one thought about the iPads in the beta of iOS 14.5, maybe. Um, the apple logo is now i don't know if it's always defaults to portrait or if it's it does, now yeah. um or i don't know if it's um rotation sensitive i don't uh, i don't believe so i think it's always in the horizontal orientation now do you think the whatever upcoming ipad there is does it finally move the cameras to the point where it doesn't look like you're looking off to the side if you're on a zoom call on your ipad no i think something like something like that would have probably leaked by now so no i i don't i don't think that's gonna happen dang all right well that was supposed to be fast it wasn't but that's that's kind of our deal um so i have some stiller sparkling news Mm, okay so um we're so the sonos roam you can look at the uh, so open up the verge link that you have embedded in here so okay i'm I'm intrigued where you're going with well just i'm intrigued where you're going well no no just just look at the hero image here where so the sonos roam 
is on on sonos's website no no on the verge, on the verge article okay. yeah I, I haven't been to sonos.com because again their website makes no sense because it basically says you, well actually no the hero image on sonos.com actually fits here because actually well that's another chef special than mean to make uh which is topo chico but we'll we'll get to that i still think about that merch store they have from time to time which one the spindrift one or which one no the, the sonos one. Oh, is this the one you buy a fucking sonos hat like you're like you <laughs> yeah. work at fucking uh like it's like it's like yeah they it's like they have kpng merch like you're you're like again is did i get it right is jordan spieth a golfer ah oh, you were so close well no, he is a golfer yeah but it's phil mickelson who's the kpmg guy i thought kpmg just gives just they have like a confetti cannon full of hats and hopefully just lands on a golfer <laughs> phil mickelson's the only one who i can think of who prominently wears kpmg gear i'm, I'm sure there are others but or or accenture or one of the other, those other companies where Aaron Levy, uh, the box CEO, Aaron Levy had a really good tweet one time of if you have, um, if you put enough enterprise software ads somewhere, an airport just forms around it. He's, he's really good at Twitter. <laughs> he is, but that, like anytime, I, like again, well, what's an airport? But I remember every, anytime I was like, get back to SFO, you just look at like, how does SAP have so much money to spend on ads that don't say anything? Yeah, you knew you always knew you were home when when you stepped off the plane and, and saw a bunch of enterprise software ads. Yeah, because at least at like LAX or other airports, it's it's a, it, there's always still some of that of just generic ass brand messaging from like Cisco talking about how WebEx makes business work or some. But it's but it's not the only thing there is like like at SFO. <laughs> sure. Uh, Sonos Rome. Um, yeah, so there's a new. So we talked about like so on a on a recent road trip I took the Sonos Move, which again it 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 was half for speaker for for listening to audio, but also as a seven pound like theft deterrent where you can use it to bludgeon somebody because it's so heavy if there was like an intruder. Where now uh, they have like their actual first like portable portable speaker, where this is kind of the size of I'm not sure how plugged in you are to this type of electronics, but there's uh, Logitech has a sub brand called Ultimate Ears. And they have a speaker called the Boom. Um, it's very much that size, which is just kind of like a you take it anywhere. It's maybe the size of like um, a twenty ounce thing of Coke, and um, I mean it's, it's good. So this is actually surprisingly inexpensive or or well priced for a Sonos thing, where the Sonos Move costs four hundred dollars. This is only one sixty nine, and in many ways, again, I'm sure it doesn't sound that good, or just because of its size, like there's trade offs. But that's it looks like a very versatile size. It charges wirelessly. It charges over USB-C. It's well-priced. And it works on both Wi-Fi as part of the Sonos ecosystem and also Bluetooth. I mean, this seems like kind of a winner for everybody when people start going places again. Yeah, I think it's it, it's there's sort of a, a compelling story to tell between the Move and the Roam, where the Move is for someone who predominantly wants a speaker stationary at home and occasionally wants to you know travel around with it either just to the backyard or maybe to the beach or something whereas the Rome is kind of the other way around where it's it's sort of a travel first speaker that also has the benefit of being used at home as part of your Sonos system yeah, so I think the way that you phrased it is the intellectually honest way to do it, but I feel like Sonos's website does not make the move sound it is it does not um dampen the dream of portability. 
like like their tagline for it is sound anywhere where there's not really anything suggesting that hey this is the thing that you occasionally take to the backyard yeah i mean that's i i'm sure we talked about this when when i first got my move and probably also when you got yours like i mean it's it's shockingly it's large dense. and heavy when, when you when you take it out of the box yeah mm-hmm. i mean the, it's got a very very well designed handle but um yeah it's it's big and heavy mm-hmm. yeah like it's like a sock full of nickels um, the um the the weird the weird thing about the roam is i feel like this is kind of like a HomePod and HomePod Mini situation where it's weird that the smaller, not quite as good sounding speaker, which is also quite a bit cheaper, actually has some f- nice features that the bigger, more expensive one doesn't. Which is? So they they talk about this new feature called Sound Swap, where you can hold the play pause button on the speaker and it will automatically send the whatever you're listening to to your nearest sono speaker and it apparently does this by um once you once you add one of these roam units to your sono system whenever your sono system detects it's being used all of your other Sonos speakers then emit a high-pitched sound that Sonos says humans and dogs can't hear. <laughs> and then cats the Rome, <laughs> maybe, then the Rome uses that to determine which Sonos speakers closest by so that if you then go to use this sound swap thing, it will send music to that speaker. I'm not quite sure exactly like what what the user experience story is where that would be useful but but that that is a kind of a it's a neat sounding feature i guess that that the you know the the move doesn't have and then the other big thing is the roam can charge just over a standard chi charger unlike the uh, move which uses a proprietary you know uh base thing that i don't fault him for just because i mean with the with the move on what point like what this is kind of like the people who suggest hey when is the ipad gonna get wireless charging like it's it's so gosh dang big where what kind of uh qi charger would could you appropriately place a move on i mean that's that's probably that's probably well and also to the one of the so the price is actually really compelling but a couple of things so it doesn't come with any type of like carrying case not that the move does it comes with a little like again we talked about the little sleeping bag and also so this doesn't come with the charging base so that's an extra i don't i haven't looked but i'm assuming 50 bucks probably um so i mean it kind of makes sense that they're like hey this is small enough where it might fit on um a qi charging pad um and yeah i mean so it's neat i mean are you gonna get one i I don't have any use for it i yeah i don't i mean you know carlos never say never with me and sonos apparently there's been many sonos products that i at one point said i was not interested in and Mm -hmm. then subsequently purchased but there isn't i don't know yeah there there isn't a specific use case i could think of wanting this because 
like if I'm predominantly using it to bring with me to places like, you know, once I start doing that again, I'm not then sure what I would use it for when I'm home. Like, I don't know how this would fit into my Sono system. Because, I mean, like we've talked about, like, that was the thing with the move is it it had a very logical place to to be a part of my Sono system at home. Well, yeah, when, whereas when, I don't think this would. Yeah, when it's when this when a move is not stationary, it just actually becomes a a more functional and slightly better Sonos one, and it and it has a home where this wouldn't. Yeah, um, and also this I probably mean, doesn't sound very good. I mean, or I mean, just based and also that's the part where they say like, hey, you can still use it on Wi-Fi and it connects to your system, but I I can't imagine that in any room this is going to be like loud enough or clear enough to really want to be used in the way somebody would normally employ a Sonos system. The, the one, the, the one and only use case I could see for this would be your bathroom speaker, your shower speaker. Oh, but yeah. then, but then you're talking about a $170 shower speaker, which I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. And if, I mean, you know, if you're somebody who's like, listening to a lot of music in the bathroom like i <laughs> i guess you could you could talk yourself into that like i mean i don't know if you're somebody who you know well you listen to a bunch of music or podcasts or whatever like when you're getting ready in the morning in the bathroom like i guess but yeah i i have kind of like a religious opposition to the idea of a shower speaker a uh, shower speaker not sorry not from new york um where like who is taking long enough showers or doing other things in the bathroom where having like a dedicated like one get the phone should not enter the bathroom but like eh, i mean i'm not sure that that's anybody's ever really gonna need that where just having overflow from like a bedroom speaker is not enough i don't know yeah no i i agree um and then the, the flip side is if you're using the speaker just to kind of bring with you everywhere then i'm not really sure why you need a sonos speaker like why not you know why not get like yeah, like the that. Anchor Soundcore, like I've been preaching on this show for a while now, which is like, like 30, 40 bucks and, and sounds really darn good. Yeah, I mean, like, or... I mean, I why wouldn't you get that? Yeah, I mean, or that UE uh, or that Ultimate Ears uh, product is, is very, very good. I mean, it's it's premium price, but it's also like basically indestructible where even though Sonos says that the Move and this are both and like made to take drops, I do not feel like the Sonos Move would t- survive a drop very well. I don't know. I would if you dropped the Sonos Move. I would. I'd bet on the Sonos Move winning compared <laughs> so to whatever it gets dropped it. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, but going back to so if you go to Sonos dot com, uh, the stellar sparkling angle is uh, their their hero image for, to launch this entire product is that there's somebody's taking it out of a beach bag next to two bottles of Topo Chico sparkling water, which is. I guess that's the way of saying this. This much like kettle chips is a millennial focused product. <laughs> and again, another uh, chef special, which I forgot what the first one was this episode. Uh, Topo Chico water is the best. That is that is a um, a hat tip to you, a friend of the show, Mike Isaac. It is great water. It's it's it is like Pellegrino, but like with twice the carbonation. If you are a, um, uh, are are you a SodaStream over carbonator? I feel like you might be. We are a soda stream so that we've got like the the one you plug into power and there's three different levels. We're a second level family. Got it. Is there an Amish soda stream? 
Like where, where one, like where it's like churning butter, where you don't plug it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I thought I always yeah. thought that the infusion part would be, would be, it would be require electricity. Interesting. Oh no. The, the first one that we had, you, you didn't plug into power. Mm. But yeah, Topo Chico's is, is kind of the best. Um, um, so speaking of Sonos's website, there's, there's an interesting part of this where if you scroll down a little bit, they have their product lineup, uh, for whatever reason, horizontally Yeah, This, oriented, is, this is the one is, where the, the, the beam is for small TVs and the arc is for big ass TVs. Yeah. So it, they have, they just have, you know, a, a real brief sort of like, Hey, here's what this speaker is for description for each. And it, it it's odd. So the, the Rome is for portable sound the move is for sound anywhere the one is for voice control and i've now see this kind of navigation so bad uh the one sl is for every room mm-hmm. checks out the arc is for large tvs which such a weird thing to uh, a 55 inch tv is not a large tv apparently but well that and there's so many other positive things you could highlight about the arc and sonos is choosing to say it's for large tvs very strange maybe they're trying to avoid returns where people will just like not understand how big it is (laughs) uh the beam for small tvs the five for high fidelity the sub for bold bass the port for traditional stereos and the amp for wired speakers. Still couldn't tell you what the port and the amp are for and exactly what the difference between the two is and why they are $449 and $649 respectively. Mm-hmm. But but there you go. I feel like I feel like we did this exact same thing six weeks we, ago. We and did. at the same time, we, we did. did not know what the difference between these two uh also nice matte black <laughs> um <laughs> rectangles or squares are. I feel like one of them is supposed to be like the thing that used to be the like the Sonos bridge, but again, I don't know what either of these things are. Like, I think the amp is the thing where it's it like if I click on it, it probably has like RCA plugs in the back, maybe. But I can't. I so I, I it's next it, to a turn kidding table. aside, yeah, kidding aside, I believe. Don't at me. I believe the amp, which is the the more expensive one would not require a receiver and you could actually just plug speakers directly into it. Um, Whereas yeah. the port would be for if you have a receiver that you want to add to like Sonos smart. functionality to. But the the port is actually the one that makes the least sense to me. Like the amp, I mean, $648 is is too much money, but like at least... I sort of understand how like, okay, yeah, you know, speaker, standalone speakers need to be powered, which I'm sure requires, you know, some electronics to like make happen. I mean, that's why like receivers are these big, massive, heavy things, right? But the port, which, you know, just plugs into a receiver, like I I sort of like equate that to like one of those like Roku sticks that you plug into a TV and then you get all the like Roku and smart TV feature stuff and they're like 35 bucks. Like mm-hmm. why is this thing not just like 100 bucks? And it's like, "Hey, here you connect your your receiver to your Sonos system." Why is the Apple TV $200? If your price is being compared to the Apple TV 4K, you've already you've lost. Probably <laughs> you've probably made a mistake somewhere. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. 
All right. So yeah, go get a Topo Chico and um, a Sonos Roam. Uh, which again, it's trapezoidal. Or wait, or uh, it's it's uh, oh yeah, the speaker it's shaped like a Toblerone. What speak? What what speaker? What shape is that? It's not a trapezoid. It's not quite a triangle. And it's not a pyramid either. Whatever. All right. The only the only complaint I have about the Rome design is why is the Sonos logo even bigger than it is on the Move? I don't get that. Again, I can't. The Sonos logo you can't go wrong with because it's the same upside down or not, and I always find that it makes me smile. Yeah, I just don't know why it's so big on the Rome. Yeah. Um, lemonade we can push. I'm going to give you an option. A uh, quick uh, car roundup or talk about Paramount Plus. Or talk about reopening, which well, I'm sure will not be contentious at all. Let's talk about Paramount Plus. I think that there's the car stuff. <clears throat> there's there's a lot there. So maybe we can all right, just keep push, that in there. Push that a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know if anybody watched a really boring Super Bowl where an old man uh, got lucky again. Um, the Paramount Plus was basically like every other ad, which uh, Paramount Plus is the new streaming service, which is the old streaming service called CBS All Access, except it has a whole bunch of other back catalog stuff shoehorned onto it. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, sounds about right. Um, it is owned by Viacom CBS, which I think they unmerged or they they split up as a company, but they remerged a couple of years ago. Um, so now MTV, Comedy Central, and all of the other kind of um, like B-grade entertainment assets that Viacom holds are now being merged into this one streaming service so that it is um, supposed to be worth the $10 a month that they want. Does this also have kind of like a, a Peacock-style um, ad-supported and ad-free tier? The ad-supported tier is not available currently and is coming out in like june i think but it will so be they, for five i think and then ad free for 10 exactly and that and that, that ten dollar one is the only one that's available now yeah and this this may all be old news to the people who also listen to the daily because for the past week every ad slot in the daily has been filled with paramount plus and mm-hmm. as you can attest to it is the worst ad in the world because it is so it, it is it makes HBO Max seem like a coherent suite of entertainment properties because they just it's just somebody I forget. Is it is it one of the like because you know how on the daily there's frequently like they have like two people that read the ads that are not like a host. And sometimes it's you can tell that it was produced in house by the advertiser. I can't tell if it's the New York Times person that does it, but. They're just listing like, hey, like Paramount Plus is here. It has all the best of blah, blah, blah. And they just name a bunch of random shit where like I think on this morning's episode, it was Paw Patrol, something called Picard. Um, uh, What was the th- what was, I, I, I put it in the Slack, but it was that um, the Twilight Zone, the whatever the good fight is. It's just maybe uh, like maybe. Uh, uh, I I feel like CBS skews older and maybe I just don't know anything that's on it other than like Survivor, which is not something I watch either. But like, I just don't think anybody cares about CBS stuff other than like Jason Snell, who loves Star Trek. Like, I don't know what the impetus for wanting to sign up for Paramount Plus is. 
because it has the HBO Max problem too, but like exponentially worse where it's it started as a streaming service for a particular channel and then all of a sudden the executives saw oh uh shit's getting real with uh Netflix and Disney basically just taking all the oxygen out of the room and we're we need to figure out what we're going to do and then they expanded CBS All Access repurposed the Paramount name for like the third time in three years because uh, I don't think anybody's going to remember, but there used to be a channel called Paramount, uh, the Paramount Network, which used to be Esquire TV, which used to be called Spike. And the reason that for this, and now you get a bunch of random movies and reruns of Survivor and a Star Trek show for $10 a month and apparently an app that's very, very bad. So I don't know. I mean, when you're going up against Disney Plus, that's now at like 90 million subscribers and like, again, I don't know if they actually have a lot of good content. Like I I hopefully go to my grave without ever watching whatever WandaVision is. But I mean, people seem to always be talking about it and people like the Mandalorian where like in the Disney's catalog in the way that they've segmented kind of those five distinct like hey, we've got Pixar, we've got Disney, we've got Star Wars, we've got Marvel, and we have, is it Nat Geo? Like, they have a very clear segmentation of what their value prop is. And Paramount Plus, I don't know what the hell it is. Like, it's, it's uh, it. I don't know. So, but apparently, hey, it launched. Sorry, was the point of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, that last part sort of, I think, the, the key point, which is even if you're someone who enjoys all or most of of the content that that's on Paramount Plus even if you're a big CBS fan and Comedy Central fan and MTV fan and and whatever else it's just it has the same problem that basically every streaming service besides Netflix and Disney has which is it's a bunch of content which is only on the same platform not because they ha- it has anything in common but just because it's all owned by the same company. And so you're left with, like in the case of Paramount Plus, a service which has the original Indiana Jones movies and is also now going to be the streaming home of the Masters Golf Tournament, which is just (laughs) like, it's like, you know, obviously like, 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 you know, people like Jason Snell and people like us who who listen to Jason Snell, like we understand all of that, but um, to any sort of average consumer, that doesn't make any sense. And also like what we were talking about offline, online, which I'm sure we've mentioned on the show before too, which is, you know, even for people who are a little more plugged into this stuff, like I use the the friends example a bunch where you know, most people aren't even going to like really know where to be able to find friends now that it's not on Netflix anymore. But even if you're someone who is a little more plugged into this media stuff for whatever reason, you know, you might remember like, oh yeah, you know, it used to, it used to be on NBC like when it was on TV. So it, it must be on Peacock now, but it's like, no, it's not on Peacock. It's on HBO max because it was produced by Warner. It's, and it's like, who who is possibly going to know that? And so all of these streaming services, again, besides Netflix and Disney, just have this problem where to a consumer, it just this looks like it's a 
mess of content that is just super random and doesn't really tell much of a cohesive, compelling story as to why you'd want to subscribe to it. So you you bring up a really good point, but I think the reason why maybe they th- one so there's there's two so there's two options of maybe why they think that's okay or that that might be a valid strategy, and one's I guess maybe one's more charitable and one's not. Which is that one, they're just being lazy and also it's just uh, they were caught flat footed and they're just trying to get all that shit out there. And there's like, hey, what do we have in the vault and what do we own the rights to? And let's all just shove it on there and hopefully people will identify with one to three things and that will cause them to forget that they're being billed $10 a month for something. Because the problem with this, so again, the two people that we've identified as being kind of the key players that are um, able to, that, that are kind of like the the choices that base, almost nobody's going to think of canceling which is Netflix and Disney plus is that Netflix like there, if you think about the way that they're organizing it, like what HBO max and Paramount plus have is that they're just throwing everything at the wall and just trying to make sure there's as much content as possible that they can possibly own the rights to. And that's kind of what Netflix has done. But the difference is that Netflix had the first mover advantage and also that people have way more goodwill for Netflix because Netflix, if you look, if you take away all the original content that they've made in like the past three years, the stuff that's on Netflix is, is super random. Like you have like random Discovery Channel shows. You have like something I've been watching because there's nothing else that I want to watch on it. There's like 40 episodes of Jeopardy from God knows when. Like there's no rhyme or reason why they're there. But Netflix has always been just like this grab bag of stuff. And sure, over time, as people try to silo away whatever content that they think people that will get people to subscribe to something like Netflix is that weird hey there's just a bunch of random stuff on here and a lot of times you're going to sit down to watch something and you're just going to you're going to watch nothing you're just going to scroll through thumbnails for 40 minutes and then just go to bed you're not actually going to watch anything but that's part of the netflix experience nobody nobody's going to afford that goodwill to paramount plus and use their crappy app because they don't they don't like it yet so that's where disney plus at least has that advantage where it's clear to what you're getting and there's enough back catalog stuff that is themed and siloed in a specific way where you can say this is important to me because it's got the kids content i want or it's got nature documentaries or there have been 22 pixar movies and i absolutely love nine of them and i want to make sure i have access to those all the time in 4k whereas you can you can watch reruns of uh um uh what i don't even know what a cbs show is uh I, 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 who even knows? But like that's the thing where they just don't have that. So therefore, having a completely incoherent, random hodgepodge of content just doesn't make sense. Where Netflix can get away with that, and they can get away with ha- well, and and that's the other half, which is that you've heard that there's this blitz of here's all the stuff that Paramount plans to produce in like the next two years because right now paramount plus only has like a star trek show right that's basically it that's exclusive to it right i, and I think there are coming. a couple of others but that's the highest profile thing yeah yeah like there's gonna be wait now i was gonna say there's gonna be a reboot of sex in the city but no obviously that's gonna be on hbo max i don't even know what else there is but no there's supposed to be new stuff like yeah you, you said there's gonna be an indiana jones wait or did i make this up or was is there actually gonna be an indiana jones tv show well no so so well so, <laughs> Indiana Jones is Lucasfilm, 
which was purchased by Disney. So future Indiana Jones content, of which there is going to be a next movie confirmed, that's all going to be Disney. But the the previous movies were produced by Paramount. And so those are on Paramount Plus for probably some period of time, maybe indefinitely. I, I don't really know how that works now between Paramount and Disney. Yeah. Because Disney had that same problem with the original Star Wars trilogy where that was actually... In, it, it was it was created by Lucasfilm, but it was actually produced by Fox. And it, obviously, this is this is before Disney bought Fox. But the, um, you know, Fox had the rights to that original trilogy. So when Disney first bought Lucasfilm, they didn't actually own the rights to the original Star Wars trilogy, which again has all become a moot point because Disney then bought 20th Century Fox. But anyway. Yeah, so I have this from Business Insider. So new Paramount Plus originals set for release over the next two years will include Halo, a show about the video game series of the same name. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have no idea if that's supposed to be good. Also, video no, games are bad. it's not. Uh, and Y colon 1883, a prequel to the popular show Yellowstone. Never heard of it. If nautical <laughs> nonsense is something you're after, a new animated series called Camp Corral with two Ks, SpongeBob Under Years began streaming march 4th um apparently they're gonna make a tv show of the godfather um yeah none of this seems good i mean again there's there's star trek and that's it i think like i don't i i don't know i i i don't who's subscribing to this so i'm I'm gonna actually so i'm gonna push back a little bit going back a couple minutes ago here to the the netflix thing you were talking hmm. about so the the reason that I put Netflix and Disney together um when when we were when we were talking about all the different streaming services is I mean a lot of what you said is right like they did have the first mover advantage and you know they do have a a loyal fan base some of whom do use the service to just randomly flip through things which you know obviously prior to Netflix creating their own originals that's all they had and that's kind of what they became known for is if you wanted to stream something it was probably on netflix and there's probably still people who use it for that but the reason i was lumping netflix and disney together is what they have in common that all these other streaming services don't is that netflix has actually i think built up a lot of goodwill with people and a lot of positive association with the original content they've created with you know Stranger Things, with The Crown, with Ozark, with a bunch of these really popular shows they have, like people know those as Netflix shows, so they know that oh yeah you know that's a show that Netflix made, so I go to Netflix to watch it, just like it's Star Wars, that's Disney, or that's Marvel, that's Disney. I go to Disney Plus to watch that. Whereas again, like go using my friend's example, like if you were to ask a even a fan of friends like hey where do you think you go to stream that you know nobody's going to know the answer to that same thing with indiana jones like you know a casual person again maybe even someone who's slightly you know plugged into this stuff might go oh well i know that disney bought lucasfilm so that must be on disney plus right no it's on paramount plus because paramount produced the original movies so there's just there's no association with 
content and the platform that that content's on outside of Netflix and Disney. And I, I think that's a huge advantage those two services have. So, so I, I yeah, I, I think all of that's true. I guess my, 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 to again, to defend my point a tiny bit, which is that but prior to their big original push and Netflix having a lot of success, like, I mean, they, again, they had Bridgerton, which is their, like, that was like the talk of everybody watching that um, in January. Like, and, and they, every once in a while have one of those, like they had, they had stranger things, they're doing their movie a week strategy thing. But I think like before they really had all their originals and maybe they had like, they had like their four shows. They had um, Orange is the New Black, House of Cards and like two other shows for a while. And then like in 2018, it kind of kicked into full gear. But up until that point, people were very content to have netflix as just kind of the service where you you'd had no idea what was going to be on it but there was going to be something that you would eventually like sure it might be like the couple seasons of the wonder years or full house or something but i mean there's gonna be something there and you didn't really ever worry about like well why does net why in the hell does netflix own this or why are they able to stream this like you just didn't know because netflix had that brand goodwill but you are right that in a more segmented and kind of cutthroat environment they have been just betting big and spending just gigantic amounts of money in order to make originals that people identify as hey this is a netflix thing and they've been more successful at that than most other people i think a lot of like cool shows have premiered on Amazon, not Amazon Plus, Amazon Prime Video, where most people like it, it probably doesn't get the audience it deserves because I feel like maybe Amazon's just not as good at branding it just because Amazon, like, and this goes back to the Whole Food things, like they just, they, they're using Prime for too much, where if they gave it a, like a different name and maybe advertise it separately, the great stuff that's on Prime might get more due. But I, like, that's, I don't know. In the end, I, I feel like Netflix has a level of goodwill that they would have to do. Like, they can stomach losing a lot of content that people want to these new exclusive services. But because they're Netflix and because there's just so much stuff on it, in addition to the originals, like, it's one of those things that's going to be the absolute last thing that somebody cancels. And I feel like they have enough there where, not that they can coast, but like, it's going to take a lot for people to start thinking, well, yeah, oh, actually, all my favorite shows moved off Netflix. I don't think anybody cares. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any data around this. So, I mean, who who knows exactly which one of us is emphasizing the right thing? But like the way that I see Netflix is that, I mean, what you're what you're saying is right, but is more about like what Netflix was in its earlier days, which is just this kind of random hodgepodge of content that that people liked and through that they built up a lot of goodwill with consumers and a lot of positive brand recognition etc so that when they then came out with their original content they weren't just some like random company making shows and streaming them on the internet it was a brand that people were already familiar with so like that the random content that they had before was kind of like a way of getting people familiar with them and getting them to start paying them etc but now I think it, it 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 is that original content. Oh, you betcha! People are are um, drawn to Netflix too, and and that's you know that's what I'm saying. That's unique to them and Disney, which is there is an association between the platform and the content. Correct. 
where like people know, hey, that's a Netflix show or hey, that's a Disney property mm -hmm. that none of these other streaming services have. And I, 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 I really think that makes a huge difference. Well, it, and I think the numbers bear that out. I mean, Disney and Netflix are on a totally different scale than any of these other streaming services are or ever have a hope of being on. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a good summation, and that that, uh, that that's a clearer way of making the point, which is, I guess, Netflix amassed all the subscribers and got their market position by having random stuff on it. But now, now that things got more serious, they're all about originals. And as they lose that random content, it's not a big deal because they have the originals. Whereas all these newcomers don't have that two to three year ramp period just to coast on, hey, we've got a bunch of old stuff. They don't like... Like H, I don't know. It, they're, just, they're not making enough new stuff that's actually of renown that's going to get people to subscribe. And I'm not sure the back catalog matters either. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that you know that that's a good point. Like, I guess that would be the strategy going forward for an HBO Max or for a Paramount Plus or or whomever, where they've got a bank on coming out with some original content that people are really interested in. Um. And then hope that, you know, draws people. Um, but, you yeah. know, we're, we're going to get back to a point that you made earlier and that we brought up time and time again, which is, you know, we're headed towards this situation where it's like people are going to get savvy to the fact that like, hey, I'm spending, you know, 60 bucks a month on all these different streaming services. Like, you know, what am I doing? Um, yep. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, go sign up for Paramount Plus and watch some type of star thing no whatever just go watch the mandalorian which apparently people say it's good the man the mandalorian is delightful i i still periodically think about the the second season because it was one of the best seasons of tv i've ever seen i really liked it yeah this is the way mm -hmm. <laughs> see again proving you know at least 15 percent of it what the f hey last week it was 25 percent what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> I God, <laughs> that's, wow. that's what makes it. That's what makes it funny. Is it gonna go down every week? Jesus, uh, you gotta tune in. You gotta tune in next week to find out. Harsh. It better go up to thirty-three. Sure. <laughs> um, what context does he say that in? Or does the uh, Mandalorian it, even speak? I have no idea. I, I, I've never watched the show, and I never will. You're not gonna like, mean, like what language does he speak? Does he speak English? Does a bit? Does the Mandalorian speak English? He does. Yes. Okay. Like is that, I don't I don't know if he's a Chewbacca or like or like a thing where where a thing where like he might be somebody like I I feel like from watching the trailers and stuff he might just be somebody who doesn't speak at all and he's just like he, a bounty he speaks, hunter. They speak little. He speaks very little. Oh yeah, I mean, so okay, so that's not entirely wrong. But yeah, does he eventually say this is the way to somebody? Yes, many times. In fact, oh, is that what he's is like? Is that his catchphrase before he bounty hunts? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Again, that's 20 hours of my life that I will never spend watching that show. So it's all good. All right. Uh, we'll kite the rest of this to next week. I think that's the term. Uh, what's your chef special? <laughs> nice. Wow. But, never. Well, we're, we're, not try, we're not trying to defraud the IRS or, or, or manipulate numbers. We just, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So my, my chef special this week is related to a picture I had sent you in the thing um, this past week, which is I was up in Sebastopol oh. this past weekend um, making a stop 
at um at our favorite uh distillery up there spirit works which we've mentioned a handful of times on the show or at least my favorite distillery i don't want to speak for you um and i you know was was doing a pickup there and went across the street and ordered uh lunch from woodfor which i mentioned earlier and it was going to be a little bit of a, a wait at woodfor and so you know, while waiting for the food, I, I just was walking around the Barlow. It was a really nice day. And, you know, it, I have, you know, also what we were talking about earlier with like having the tendency to like go to the same restaurants over and over again. Like when I go to the Barlow, like I usually, you know, go to Spirit Works, go to Wood Four, and that's it. Like I don't really explore the area very much. So I, you know, had some time to walk around and, and check things out and stumbled upon a, golden state cider that um i I actually didn't even know that they had physical locations like i've i've had the the cider before which you can just find at safeway or whatever and it's it's really good um and yeah they they have a location in the barlow in sebastopol i was i was talking to someone there just for a minute while i was was ordering some things to go and you know, they had said that they, I guess, sort of opened like right around the start of the pandemic last year. And so, you know, they've been kind of open sporadically over, over the past year and they were closed for some period of time, you know, the last couple of months, but then had just reopened not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, and, you know, now hopefully are going to be able to, to stay open. And yeah, it's, it's, they're you know they're a local local business. They're Sonoma County based. Make really really good cider. Um, no offense to Two Town Cider House, but I, I I think this stuff is is even better than that. Um, and it's you know they they do the thing at this location, which I I love when places do. They you know they sell the stuff that you can find in the stores and and wherever, but they also sell stuff that you can only buy there which i'm total sucker for so i so i walked out with a four pack of their ginger grass cider well which i've been enjoying while recording this evening and that that you can find you know anywhere um and then i also got a four pack of their save the i think it's gravenstein which is one of their it's kind of apple right and yeah, I, th- I thought it was maybe also one of their orchards. I I don't really know. The, the the story's on the can. I need to go back and and look at that. But <laughs> um, they that was one of the exclusive ones that they only sold um at the location. And I, I had one of those over the weekend. That was very good. So yeah, it's um it was it was a nice nice little surprise. They they also sell food. So when you know someday when I feel safe eating at a restaurant again um <laughs> i look forward to uh trying that too i don't know why this came to me but do do they sell pretzels i you know i didn't i did not um did not see a food menu i know that they sold food but i i did i didn't see what the options were got it yeah well you have to, you'll have to let me know i mean do because yeah, ginger grass doesn't sound very appetizing. But it was it was it, it was quite good. Yeah, ginger. Uh, other than a Moscow mule, gin, uh, ginger is a little a little rough. But do they have tra- uh, traditional, just like you know, just like a pure cider? They do, and that that 
the one that I got that was unique to or um, exclusive to the the physical location that I went to that that was just a you know a, a regular apple cider. Hmm. Okay, I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, ciders are good. Cool. Yeah, I mean it, oh, the, and- the Barlow is you you can you know I know you you talk about your famous uh, loop in San Rafael where you go to like the Home Depot. Well, yeah, but that, the that's Joe's that's a and- functional one. <laughs> but the Barlow, like again, like I popped in there a couple of, a couple of months ago, and it seems nice. Like I don't know, I've, have you ever been to that Acre Pizza place that's across from uh, Golden? That was another place that I had not really taken note of before, but caught my attention this last weekend. And they they make both thin style crust pizza and Detroit style pizza, so you- it, it kind of satisfies all crowds. So I don't, I'm- and I don't mean to be judgy about that, but do you, do you know what Detroit style pizza is? Of course, yeah. Okay. Have you had it before? I have. Oh, the crust. Oh, I, I the lady friend would agree with you, but I I actually really like Detroit style pizza. No, no, I'm saying oh There's... oh the crust as an oh like that's that's a fond that's a very happy. Oh oh yeah the yeah the lady friend's not a not a fan, but I there so there's a brewery in, uh, in the city called Cellar Maker, and they have a second location in the Mission, which is just called the House of Pizza. Where they, of course, you know, sell their they beer, sell but they also sell pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Um, and the the only pizza they have is Detroit style pizza, and it's very very good. Yeah, Detroit style pizza is good. It depends. You have to get it right. Where sometimes some people will make it with just it's just too much, uh, too tomato saucy, and that's that's a little not great. So it's got to be a good ratio. Same thing where again, like Little Star has very good deep dish in california but most places that claim to do deep dish do it very very poorly so yeah but yeah detroit style is good it is it's much better um, than you know kind of like the the california idea of pizza which is basically let's try to pretend we're in italy and let's just make really really charred burnt inedible ultra thin crust pizza yeah i'm not i'm not a huge fan of that yeah um but this so this this loop in the barlow now that you can make is you know, you get your your spirits from Spiritworks. You get your beer from Wood Four. You grab a coffee at Taylor Lane, very good coffee, and then you go down the street and you pick up your cider from Golden State Cider, and that's that's a productive afternoon. Is is Taylor Lane owned by Taylor Swift? Is this like a Ryan Reynolds <laughs> situation? It better be. I I'm I'm not aware of their ownership structure. And you but it's you you good coffee with the um the cider thing you buried the lead or the most important part of the product. Uh oh the the otter on the can. Heck yeah, yeah very very good uh, very good otter on the can. Very cute. Mm-hmm. All right, and then people can go rewind an hour and thirty five minutes, and then again I think my chef specials, which I've already forgotten. Uh, I think were the Trader Joe's ghost pepper potato chips and something else.